When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. And welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week, we are talking about only our second Scream movie that we've ever done an episode on, which is insane. Significantly better than the last one. Yeah, the last one was Scream 3, the worst in the entire franchise. Uh, We're talking about Scream 2, which... I'm not going to lie. I, I used to be like, this is the second best Scream movie. It's this or Scream 4 easily. I think this one may have slid down just a, a couple rungs. There's a few things in this movie now that I'm watching it that I'm like, this does not... This is not it make hasn't sense aged. to me. No. I, it, I think it really well, sets the tone for how sequels can be. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I think it like it's sort of like it does that thing where it like it achieves a level of like you can do this with a sequel. Like yeah. you can make like this sort of like insular universe and like this expansive thing and it's like the world knows about what has happened, you know, in this small chain of events. So it's like the scale in which you can make a sequel exist, but I, I totally agree. Like, I, I still think it's really good. And I, I think, think I maybe have only seen it. I think this is maybe only like maybe my third time yeah. watching it. In, this in is definitely reality. my third time as well. Yeah. You know, I, but I mean, there's here's here's what I'll say. I've always defended this movie. Well, I didn't. When I first saw it, I was pissed as every person who <laughs> loved Scream was that they had the audacity to kill Randy. Kill. Randy, uh, yeah. But then they, they watching it this time, like, man, they really did a good job of making Randy, someone you wanted to see get killed because he's annoying. That's as what fuck I've in this always movie. Yeah. thought. <laughs> he's so much more pit. unbearable in this movie than he is in the you, first. You one. know, this is this is maturity for you, Matt. That <laughs> is you maturing as a person because yeah. literally, when we started Reddit Horror Club, when when or not when we started, but when when it was you and me doing the thing, I remember. You being like, oh, Randy, I was I was Randy, you know, like you were talking yeah. about how you were Randy all the time. And I'm like, Randy deserved to fucking die in the second movie. 
I don't know how to tell this to yeah, my he's new friend. He's insufferable. No, it's it's <laughs> yes. But, but you so, were this annoying motherfucker back in 1999, dude. But but my my defense for this movie when I came around to enjoying Scream Two, I've seen this movie tens of times. I'm sure because Homeboy, if he starts a franchise, is just like, well, guess I got to watch every entry in that franchise mm. um, today. <laughs> <laughs> but but my defense has always been that that scene in film class sets up the expectation of like this is bad and it's and like you can't I feel like this isn't a movie where you can sit there and like call out the unrealistic nature of elements of it because they already inform you in that in that conversation about sequels that these are illogical movies sequels to films are always illogical what my problem is is that there seems to be a lot of half-baked ideas that should have just been cut from the movie that are still there and like the biggest one that jumped out to me that i forgot that's how unnecessary it is is the scene with the police where they're connecting the names of the first three victims with the names of the first three victims from the first movie that never comes up again throughout the rest yeah. of this movie. Like, it has no purpose to be there. That's that's how you know it's a copycat the, the killer. The energy and the like, tone matches. Yeah. It's not that they aren't... Those are not the things that are out of place. But you're right. The information... And it's not even like a throw off the scent that's of like real what's happening. Procedure, guys. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, that's what right. police work it's is just, all about. It's that's so it's so outrageous. Um, that's and, more than the police do, honestly. And, yeah. Like that is that and, is more than I've ever seen. And to go do. back to that film class for just one second, this movie very incorrectly set up my expectations for what a college film class <laughs> was like. Yeah, it I certainly was not a teacher just posing a question and letting the students riff out their impressions of movies. Let me for 20, Let for me tell hours. you something. The film student in Tequila Body Shots was more, <laughs> more realistic than any of the film oh, talk. I'm gonna here go in jerk Scream off 2. at the theater. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kyle could relate. He's like, that's how it was for me, baby. Yeah. No, that's a rite of passage. You have to go jerk off at a theater, whether it's porn or it's Fellini. So uh, it doesn't matter. You, you just said porn jer- twice. <laughs> so I have, well, I have at least two notes just tied to my frustration of the opening scene of this movie um not anything about what happens in the movie per se but i wrote i'm going to read both of these verbatim i've never been to a theater as rowdy as this uh and i've been to some pretty wild movie theaters i would hate watching a movie in this environment it's why i don't go to midnight screenings of rocky horror picture show also, yep. it'd be so goddamn hard to watch a movie wearing that scream mask. I want to <laughs> like, yeah. watch a movie. It's like wearing sunglasses. Yeah. What's the, like, why are you doing that? It blows um, my mind that Matt, of all people, is like that. That I am mirrored his sentiments in the first act of or the first scene of this movie because I literally was like, you know, Jada's kill always bums me out like it feels tragic you know it mm-hmm. feels unfair was there a reason why she was picked as a murder victim I, 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 because I've never... her first her last name was Stevens oh or was her or was oh. she Maureen that's fucking stupid it was Maureen really she her stupid. first name was Maureen her more, first name was Maureen her last name was yeah. Evans and Phil Stevens Phil Stevens which <laughs> do you know how strong how strong a human being has to be to slam a hunting knife <laughs> through, through a bathroom stall. through a bathroom stall wall and into a skull. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, 
it went into his cheek, right? Either way, <laughs> the the first part's the most unrealistic. Well, that's that, that's uh, Tim Theolophant, right? Like he's the one who's that's, doing the That's the one there. that we've he included. He is always fantastic. Really. Yeah, Timothy Oliphant's great. He's as far as because uh, I I always want to check. I always want to know. I want to know what the internet suspicions are of who's doing what when there's uh-huh, the multiple yeah. killers. Um, everyone pretty much concluded that Randy is the only person that Mrs. Loomis kills. That everything else is Mickey. Yeah. Um, but that Mrs. Loomis is probably the voice on the phone a couple times. But mm. that but I don't even think that she killed I don't think she stabbed anyone. I honestly don't think that she stabbed anyone because she is frail as fuck. Well, but she says she admits to killing Randy in the final scene. She literally says, like, don't besmirch my son's boy. I got stabby because Randy did. Like Oh, that's so, right. That's so, stupid though. There's no way that the, the most brutal kill of the entire movie is could from be little hey a man forty five year old. Hell woman hath no who, fury like an angry mom. Um Well, um and to to <laughs> be ever, fair, to be I fair. have I have a drink. It's it, for this week. It's mom water. Ah Um Linda. it's not good. <laughs> but Megan, we were in the grocery store, and Megan was like, "Did you get the variety?" Um, no, no, I, I could only stand the the flavor profile, blueberry peach. So that's yeah. Linda. The other ones sound absolutely terrible. This isn't good, but at least it's not. <laughs> I don't have to go. I only had to buy a four pack. Um, oh so, my god. Anyway, uh, Megan was like, "What's the point of Scream Two again?" I was like, "Oh, it's Billy's mom is the killer," um, and she was like, "Oh, oh, what about that like that mom water stuff?" And I'm like. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. I wonder if they have any. And it, it was it took forever to fucking find it. We had other things that came up instead, and, and then we found it. Well, speaking, Look. while we're talking about Mrs. Loomis, I have to say my memory is that she does not show up as much in this movie as she actually shows up. There, like, I don't know if I was... I felt like I was watching an extended cut of this movie because <laughs> in my memories, it's like she shows up in the beginning and introduces herself to Gail Weathers and then maybe pops up one more time before, like, they reveal who she is. She's in this movie like eight goddamn times, and I completely blocked so many yeah. of them out. Well, in I my think brain. that like, and I think that that's also a testament to like what we were talking about is like where the aging process of it doesn't necessarily work as well. And it's like, oh, so she shows up eight times, so there should be a a, a reason that we yeah. believe that she's part yeah. of this. Like, Never when I watched this movie, there was the first time there was not even a, a moment in my brain that I thought that that little old lady had anything to do. Right, with anything. which I think <laughs> is like, which I think is, which I think is interesting that she shows up that much and we don't even consider her. Right, like yeah. there's something there, right? But then upon upon review. It's like, geez, man. Like yeah. they just keep just, reminding just, you, like she's here. Yeah. Do you remember that Billy had a mom? Yeah. Do you know? Do you know? You know what? The, the, yeah. Also, he had I a gotta mom say, that cared about him. Not that many slasher films have ever brought that up. <laughs> like nah. in all of the sequels that we've had, the only one True. that I can think of is that Jason's mom died first. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's not a lot of like, you know, we don't know what what Mrs. Kruger was. Well, I guess we did learn that too in the sequels. Yeah, Never but mind. she also isn't a murderer. That's true. That's um, true. Also, oh, what was that sound? What the just, hell just was because, that? Just because I finished my one from last episode and Mom Water came up. Joy number two, because it's, <laughs> it's a joy to have watched the second movie in this franchise. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> it's um, kind of weak, but it's, what I it is what it is. There's two more things that I forgot about with this movie that struck me as who picked weird. this, by the way. I did. Sorry, this was me. Oh, you did. Okay. Um, that struck me as weird. I would never pick a screen movie. Yeah. I, yeah. I. I I Not that I don't like I them, but confirmed. rather I, yeah, I, I, I leave them to Matt. 
Yep. Yeah. Hey, and I know I know what this this pick will do for downloads just based yeah, on Yeah, he's re- 50% of this is SEO. So dry dry January. <laughs> we are good to um, go. I there's two things that I completely forgot about in this movie. First off, Lindsay Bluth as a sorority girl, completely forgot about that. My I was girl. Portia de Rossi. Yeah, pretty funny. I was like, holy uh, shit. But also we get um Rebecca Gayhart yeah. as another sorority girl. Yeah. Which honestly, I love. What was Rebecca? Was Rebecca Gay Hart in uh, Urban, Urban Legends, Legends, right? Yeah. yeah. Don't, 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 don't spoil anything. Um, but oh, the other fuck. thing that I forgot about. <laughs> which delete did, it. Which delete doesn't. It. Let me ask you guys this, because this didn't. This did not click in my brain. Like, or this didn't like compute in my brain. I just really struggle with the idea that Sydney would want to be a theater major, like. Like, so much of this movie is about how she doesn't want to be in the spotlight and, like, wants to just, like, live a normal life, but her college major is something that guarantees that you're always in the Maybe spotlight. Maybe she just wanted to do tech. Well, he's, he literally says, this is your major <laughs> when she's trying mm. to not act in the Damn play. Uh, <laughs> like, that's what I mean. Well, like, I'm just like, Sydney is, she's working through some stuff. Yeah, all right? a little bit, a little bit. Also, let me ask you this question. There's a scene in this movie that the framing choice is really weird. When Dewey shows up the first time and he's having a conversation with Sid, in my opinion, it is shot like he is a a romantic interest. <laughs> like it is this extreme close up of their two faces talking, and it's just this soft piano music playing underneath them. And I know that that's not the intention because so much of this movie is about like Dewey and Gail Weathers. But I'm like, why is this filmed like this? You guys it's- remember that that infamous Folgers commercial? Yes, um, with- that's oh. it's that. <laughs> it literally felt like that. I was like, what is happening here? They must have watched that scene and been like, oh, we've got to we've got to address this because the line of dialogue immediately after that is Jerry O'Connell being like, who is that guy? And Sid's like, that's Dewey. He's like all of our big brother. <laughs> like it's like, who? <laughs> but specifically, you know, he should Jerry O'Connell how does Jerry O'Connell not know anything yeah she like yes that's a bit jerry o'connell is completely out of the loop of his girlfriend's whole life which is insane also have to say it i've always kind of thought this but man did i have to fast forward through the i think i love you scene that is oh some cringy bullshit in the middle of this movie and and the thing is is that why would sid who hates the spotlight enjoy being poorly acapellaed that song in front of the entire cafeteria an afternoon and then the she's same smiling afternoon, the afternoon after she just told him like look we can't date like <laughs> like it's in my brain again it's like retrospective like in retrospect in my brain i was like this this serenading thing happens like a few days after she like <laughs> tells him that they he, probably he should ha- be. he it's had the to make same an effort day it's yeah he had to make is... the effort immediately <laughs> this is so fascinating to me i'm so i'm trying to trying to think about what we've talked about Wes Craven and I think that we keep narrowing in because we've talked about many Craven films here yeah. both like actual as actual episodes and then tangentially right mm-hmm. and he has a pattern 
like Craven has a pattern of things that hit and then things that start to like sort of trickle down, right? And it's like I, even though I've always we've talked up Scream too, and we've talked about it, we've included it in our like really good sequels and like all this stuff. It it does follow that pattern. Just he has studio money. Yeah. So it follows that pattern that like it does drop off but, at the same step, but he has studio money and backing to be able to be like, well, Scream 2 is still okay, Well, let's, but it's so really not that. Let me address this, though. I don't know. So, so I think, if I'm remembering this correctly, I believe that Wes Craven agreed to do, like, I want to say it was Scream 3. It could be Scream 2. He agreed to do a horror movie in exchange for doing Music of the Heart. Music of the Heart. Which was the movie that he, like, wanted to make. And yeah. I couldn't help but think about that when I'm watching this Sid, this this Nev Campbell and Jerry O'Connell <laughs> stuff, because I'm like, this feels so out of place. This feels like a director who's stuck doing horror movies that's like, maybe I can do a couple scenes to prove I can do like romantic comedies or that I can do like anything else in horror because it that whole scene beyond like the awkwardness of it then it's like the swell of collective mm-hmm. souls she's like that scene feels like it has nothing to do with a horror movie that Yo, feels like any soul. 90s teen flick you've ever seen like yeah. the ending shot of like 10 things i hate about you you know what i mean like it's i really think he was just like fuck if they're gonna give me all this money to make the sequel i'm gonna try to like add a, a scene to my reel to prove that i can do something more than horror can, movies can you imagine being wes craven being like i need to add to my reel i need to add to my like, reel wh- so here's here's a weird <laughs> while we're talking about wes craven here's a weird thought that i had the other day was i was thinking about he, he never he's, he's always he's always he's always climbing he's yes. never yeah he's never trying to never, settle. he so never settles he never settles here's my weird thing that i was thinking about i was thinking about Toby Hooper, John Carpenter, Wes Craven, right? Three, probably like the three top horror directors who've been around for three decades, right? Sure. And what I found myself thinking was that each one of those directors, their style feels trapped in a specific decade, no matter what. So to me, it was like Toby Hooper, I feel like even when he's doing 80s and 90s movies, still feels like a very 70s mm. director with the way he does stuff. Like with his I framing. This. John Carpenter, I think, always feels like a very 80s director. Like beyond the fact that his peak stuff is the 80s, it just has that sheen and that look mm-hmm. of 80s. I think Wes Craven really found his his style in the 90s. And then when I think of something like Nightmare on Elm Street, for that movie being 84, it feels closer to the end of the 80s than the than the middle of the 80s to me. Like I hmm, think that's interesting. stylistically he kind of was the guy who got the 90s look better than any of them and I think that's why he succeeded in the 90s more than the other two. Well, here's did. the question then for you is do you think is it possible that it's the inverse that the popularity of the Nightmare series in the 80s preclude thanks to him yeah. precluded and led to what the 90s looked. The, the I mean it could aesthetic be, that was yeah brought he was, it could, be an, like, it could yeah. be an influence thing yeah, yeah. I think it's possible um, yeah it's a rhetorical question it is it's, it's absolutely rhetorical. we'll never know but speaking of the <laughs> yeah. 80s I have to say one of my favorite parts in this whole movie is right before Randy dies 
and the killer asks his favorite scary movie and he turns the question on them and then just rattles off like every single college and sorority horror film that he can think of where he's just like yeah. house and sorority row graduation day final exam <laughs> sorority house massacre like i was like great i i i still love that scene i think they do it even better in scream four when she rattles off every single remake that had come out in the last like mm-hmm. five years like one of my favorite scenes in any horror movie it's so well done um and then you know homeboy's gotta love that his boy randy could have been saved if not for people dancing to cotton mouth king suburban <laughs> life <laughs> it'll get you every time it makes me laugh don't every listen time. To, don't listen to cotton mouth king no. it will kill you no like you can't trust those guys <laughs> that's why i always listen to icp instead guys yes yes Woo-hoo. yes be safe listen um, to ICP. scott <laughs> let me ask you a question i'm gonna set no. you up on this but i think i believe i believe in you if you had to say what is the most quotable moment in this entire movie what is it because to me there's only one answer Carnage Candy. Ooh, that is a good one. That is not what I was leaning to. I was leaning to another two-word delivery, which is, of course, Timmy Elephant going, Billy's mother. Mother. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that one wasn't in the trailer, and so that one doesn't come to mind as much because um, all I can see is Billy with his shitty fucking goatee, um, soul patch goatee thing, whatever it is, and he just goes, Carnage Candy. Like, I, I... or not Billy, Randy. Randy. Um, I was so so happy when Randy got axed in this version, like this time around. <laughs> I I felt no sadness, no grief, no loss. I felt the you know like I feel grief for Jada Pinkett Smith's character because mm-hmm. it's a terrible way to go out and to have everybody like jeering at your death. Yeah. Also. That would be like we got off topic before I could say it, but when you and I, when you were talking about it, like you would hate watching a movie like that. I would have a panic attack, yeah, because I would be like worried about a mass shooter. Well, because so remember, gonna... like you know, a decade ago when the there were worst, those mass shootings, <laughs> the worst screening Vomit. experience of my life, and it was a fairly calm screening experience, was when I went to see Joker on opening night. Oh, that sounds terrible. Because if you remember, there was all these, like, internet things about, like, people are worried Mm -hmm. about this. Yeah. So walking into a movie theater and there being two armed policemen standing outside of my movie. Oh, I remember you telling me this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then then it was like, there was, like, no one in my theater. There was, like, eight people at this screening. Because I didn't go to, like, a midnight screening. It was, like, Thursday at 6. You know what I mean? (laughs) But I'm sitting there and literally every time, there's so many gunshots in that movie. Every single time mm. that a gunshot happened in the movie, I looked to the door. Like, I was like, I yeah. don't. And then, as the I, I remember the theater was empty enough, and I was, my anxiety was so high from the circumstances. I left to go to the bathroom, turned back on my phone, opened the wiki for the movie, read the full wiki description so I knew everything that was about to happen for the last, like, 25 minutes of the movie, and when I knew that it was near the end of the movie, I got up and got as close to the exit as possible. <laughs> and the second that it went black, I just left. Because I was like, I need to get out to fresh air. As be- like, I was having a full-blown panic attack yeah. just from the circumstances in an empty, calm screening of a movie. 
this circumstance, you're out of your goddamn mind. <laughs> I'd, be, <laughs> I'd be asking for a refund so quick. I'd be like, yeah. hey. I want to check yeah. out this Meg Ryan movie. <laughs> Can we? I think Please. if I remember correctly, that that theater that they shot in now is a mega church, uh, which doesn't make us feel any better. No. Um, but it just also it, how is that? How is it that Sid turns on all of the? Um, well, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm fast forwarding to the. Uh, you're talking about the the theater in the beginning. Yeah. The theater at the end, when Sid like turns on all of the sound effects and all the visual, like the lights and stuff like that. Why does she also shake the the, gonna, the thunder? It's got to get thing? the thunder going, baby. It's got to be That's scary not gonna for help Mickey because it's going <laughs> to immediately stop as soon as you stop, and yeah. she's going to know that you're that you're running. Around. I mean, okay, this movie is so illogical. I know you've talked about it before, but anyway, I just. I, Look, what I was getting at is that Jerry O'Connell's death is the only one that I actually feel bad about in this movie. When it's I watch really it, I do feel it, it does. He didn't deserve that. No, and he didn't it, deserve to be dating some girl that didn't disclose her her history and, to him about also, being if, part of a mass murder. If we can just say that Gail and Dewey are fine, why can't we just say that fucking Jerry O'Connell's character? Because he fine. got shot in the chest and then just left. That's while true. they. That's you know, true. he just bled out. If That's he didn't fair. die immediately, he just... I will say that casting Jerry O'Connell as that character, best casting. Because I wouldn't have necessarily felt that way that you're describing yeah. if it wasn't Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, I think that like, there's like the a thing... But the thing is, he came off of doing Trip McNeely, yeah. like the movie before this or something yeah, like that. Yeah. That's what I knew him as from yeah, I knew him Wade. as Joe from Joe's Apartment. Joe's Apartment. Joe's apartment. <laughs> You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Here's a, here's a question for Kyle that I think I know the answer to. But if yeah. we're talking about illogical things that happened in this movie, at some point, Dewey and Gale sit in front of a TV and a VCR <laughs> and start watching tapes, and then the signal is somehow interrupted by a live camera all the way in the back <laughs> of the room that they're in. L listen, listen. <laughs> and I think that in 
this was nine. Was this nine? Ninety eight. I want to say ninety eight. Ninety eight. I think right because it was a really ninety six. Ninety eight. Like right. I always want to overshoot the turnover of it, but this thing was fu- this happened fast after yeah. Scream. So okay, so like nine. Yeah. There's, Filming in ninety seven. We that? should we should know better, but I will think <laughs> that a gen. I will think I will say that a general audience might have accepted that as. A, yeah, a, I was as like, inter- I was like, there should have been. Like, they should have looked down and saw a cable running from the back of the TV up to no, the, no. up to the and, dude, and that's the thing is that like, I mean, that move. They don't. People don't make movies now where they even allow that like suspension of disbelief, especially like with technological stuff. Like, yeah. I can't imagine trying to be like, nah, this just happens. <laughs> with, you know, like, you'll get eaten alive. Yeah. Like, you'll, you know, so. Toby Hooper, eaten alive. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You'll get That's what my double feature. <laughs> well, speaking of double features. Oh, this is for me. Uh, yeah, well, I was about to say, Matt, you know. Speaking you, of double you features, Matt, what would it, you like? Yeah, yeah so, you got to keep it going. So I'm going to double feature this with a much better movie in which people are getting murdered in a rowdy crowded movie theater popcorn from 1991 nice <laughs> now that is a good double feature very nice kyle very nice. um you know I, I just want to watch behind the mask i just want to watch behind the mask god damn that's a really good one that's too like, you know super good i, I, I think it just has that extra scream. depth that scream 2 tries to lens that but it and wouldn't it, exist if it wasn't for Scream 2. Exactly. Like, there's no way it would exist if not for Scream 2 specifically. Like, yeah. so, um, yeah, I'd, behind the mask. All right. Yeah, and I was originally going to go with um, Urban Legend because of the Rebecca Gay heart of it all. But you guys picked really, really good double features. Now, the fact that I mention Urban Legend, I really have to share this. I will make up for my lackluster double feature by giving you guys a quick little anecdote from the gym the other day. Um, I don't know why, and I don't know how it even came up in a conversation, but so I, I go to a relatively small gym, um, that's just down the street from the house. And, um, I go very early in the morning. I'm there between five thirty and six thirty AM. And because then I can come home, take a shower and get ready for my day, um, of work. I was there with my trainer and for some odd reason, and now I, when I'm there with my trainer, um, I listen to whatever they have over the loudspeakers because it's usually me and my trainer the owner and whoever she's training as well um it's usually like four maybe five people at the, at one time um like i said very small uh private gym totally clips of the heart comes on okay and i'm like oh my god like this i can't listen everybody's laughing a little bit i think it was somebody's spot or spotify playlist or something and Everybody's kind of giggling because it's, you know, it's such a weird song to come on at a gym at like 6 a.m. And um, and I'm like, man, this just reminds me of Urban Legend and the lady getting her head chopped off. And they're like, what? And I was like, oh, I was talking. I was thinking my thoughts out loud, wasn't I? And I had to explain to them the part where like she's singing Turn Around and then, you know, like and the whole point is that like they, you know there's a killer in the back seat and he chops her head off uh or it's actually a she it's rebecca gayhart uh spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen urban legend in the last 25 years um <laughs> but also that does bring it back to scream one because randy is sitting on the couch and he's watching halloween and he goes jamie turn around behind you jamie behind you so i guess it's okay 
Yeah. That didn't yeah. come to me when I was telling the story until the very end. That's there cool. you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, oh, Scott, the have, whole time you were telling that story, I found myself thinking, what's oh, going Kyle. on? Wait, Kyle's <laughs> got something before, though. What's going Uh-oh. on? I just I just want to throw out. I'm sorry, I just I, I want to throw out one more double feature, which is the crazies because of Timothy, Al- Timothy Oliphant. I just okay. like, I think watching one of the better watching? remakes. Oh, it's, the honestly, crazies is no. one of the best remakes of all time. So that's the crazies is fantastic. Never seen it. You can always get it at five for five dollars at Best Buy or Walmart before they get rid of all their physical media. Yes, so. it's always on the shelf at all always. times. Um, so <laughs> for the what's going on segment, we don't have it too, too much. We're just going to tell you go buy some shirts from our website hmnpodcast.com. Go find us on our Facebook group or any of our social media by searching HMN Podcast and. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com backslash podcast. Now, it's time for me to tell you what I've been watching, and then you guys can do the same. Uh, I watched the newest film to be dropping on Shudder, Destroy All Neighbors. Uh, oh, I'm so jealous. S- starring Jonah Ray and Alex Winter. There's so many twists and turns in this movie, I feel comfortable telling you the first twist and then letting you guys go from there. Uh, Jonah Ray plays a struggling prog rock musician, um, and he lives in this shitty little apartment in L.A., and he gets a new neighbor who is this big Russian guy played by Alex Winter just caked in tons of prosthetic makeup to make him this <laughs> like hideous-looking creature, uh, and he just blasts Russian techno at full volume, and it <laughs> makes it hard for Jonah Ray to record his music. So after a couple squabbles, he goes over there to demand that he shuts off the music and they get into a scuffle that leads to Alex Winter's character slipping, falling, and dying. Jonah Ray, in a panic, chops up the body and decides he's going to get rid of it. And it's at that point that all of the body parts come back to life. <laughs> well, okay. And that's all I'm going to give you from from there. But it is, it is absolute, like modern day splat stick like it's so goofy it's so wacky but it wears the like dead alive evil dead love on its sleeve the music is fucking awesome uh as kyle pointed out it's man man uh philly like proggy indie rock band doing all the music it's it's really funny it's really cool it's really gory um fingers crossed you may or may not have heard me interview uh, the team that made this movie because uh, I did watch an advanced screening for that very purpose but I haven't locked in when that interview is going to happen so who knows worst case scenario I just enjoyed a movie early um, anyway <laughs> that's that's all I've got so uh, on to you guys yeah I um, I watched uh, I watched Death Game um, from 77 so people might remember that Eli Roth remade this obscure horror movie as Knock Knock um, okay. in 2015 uh, with Keanu Reeves and Ana de Armas, which is kind of crazy to think about now. But Death Game was re-released recently and is on Shutter, currently available on Shutter. It's about a it's about two young girls who basically come to like knock on a random stranger's door and exploit his kindness also but maybe you know in 77 it was exploiting his kindness in 2023 it's oh this dude is maybe taking advantage of the the two young girls that knocked on his door um you know maybe you should not 
uh, just accept that. But it's it's a very exploitative. Like these two girls knock on the door. They are caught in the rain. He's this gentleman's home alone. He welcomes them in. He gets seduced, and then they are overstaying their welcome uh, in very sort of crazy ways. And it's Sandra Locke uh, who is fantastic. Like it has a lot of great performances, but it also has this storied production history that is absolutely insane um it's actually it's the wikipedia for death game is longer than the wikipedia for scream 2's plot uh so (laughs) it's uh which we've run into many times with Russ craven stuff is like there's and maybe there's just better uh better editing and combing through of what actually happens but um but death game was fun i would say that it's there's some really interesting the 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 production history is that this director was inept he just like was a terrible director he was actually more of like a producer who you know was part of a real estate i think it was part of real estate so he had all this finance and like you know he would just wanted to direct so he was produced a bunch of movies the only two he actually directed was death game and evil town which was less than 10 years like maybe seven years later um, and Evil Town is a mess in its own right. But but Death Game is really interesting. It has some really interesting performances. Uh, some the cinematography is interesting. Like I, I, it's definitely worth watching as a sort of piece of cult. I won't say history because it's not like it influenced a ton of stuff. But um, but it is an interesting watch. Uh, and if you find yourself wanting something sort of like. Uh, visually wild while also feeling like, you know, it, it it doesn't inspire funny games, but it elicits that sort of like two people mm-hmm. are in your home and you cannot get them out. Like you can no, you can no longer, you've opened up your home and now you can't get them out. And that's frightening. Like yeah. it, it elicits some of that, but in a seventies way, in a seventies, like young girls, hippie era, like, you know, way. So um, it's really, it's, it's fun. It's like I've actually I watched it. Yeah, have you, have I watched you seen it in the last six months. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it's not the to write home about, but I enjoyed my watch, and I think that like there's some serious performances, and there's some images that stick with me, and like yeah. that's cool. It's very unsettling. Then, it's yeah. not yeah. my kind of movie, but it's it's definitely very. It's very it's unsettling in a way that like Funny Games was too unsettling for me. This one gave me a little bit of like. Uh, levity where i was like oh there's a little bit of comedy or like there's a little mm-hmm. bit of like uh, i don't really quite like i don't totally believe this or feel it it's so. not not nearly as mean-spirited as funny games in yes opinion. right 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 hey. but it's so it's an interesting watch it's on shutter hey, i'll mm-hmm. have to check yeah. that out um and i will uh finish it off with a book that i read um recently uh it's called tender is the flesh and it's by an argentinian mm. writer who i will absolutely butcher her name so Tender is the Flesh. Easy name to remember the book, at least. Um, but it is about a... It's kind of... It's, it's, it's a lot of different um, things. It's, it's a horror novel, but its core tenet is that there was a... At some point in the last 15, 20 years, I'd say, a a mammalian virus, an animal virus, that made it so that... All meat was toxic, uh, and if you ate it, you would die. So what any sensible world would do is obviously to start 
growing humans for human consumption. Um, and it's <laughs> sanctioned. I went in almost completely blind, um, knowing there was a cannibalism book, but that's it. Not knowing that it was more of like a kind of a Handmaid's Tale-y mm. kind of concept of like, you know, these this, this world accepting this horrific concept. I was all in. I loved the concept. I thought that it was incredibly disturbing. Um, and then... I was a little disappointed. Um, I think mm. it's a really well-written book. Now, it was also translated. So, um, I mean, I, I, th I think it's a really, I think it's a good book. So, kudos to the author, kudos to the translators. There are two, uh, two women, I think, that translated the woman's original work. The only thing that dragged it down, because the, like, the last page, last two pages, whatever, are pretty shocking in their own right. Um, on top of some of the other things. It also gives me a bit of a he is or I am legend type um, vibe as well. So, I mean, and I am legend is one of my all time favorite books. So it's really feeling it, but it does the thing that I don't like where kind of everybody makes poor decisions. There are almost no likable characters eventually. Um, and, and that's hard for me, but I think that is a really, really well constructed world and I think that it raises a lot of interesting questions I think that it is definitely worth the read that's why I'm mentioning it just because it didn't do what I wanted with the characters doesn't mean that it's not an important book to be discussed and it's not long I think it's only 200 pages I, I burnt through it in a day nice. what was the title again T tender is the flesh tender is the flesh got it all right well I got nothing to bounce off of that with. So I'm just going to say <laughs> that we will be back next week with even more Horror Movie Night, and stay tuned. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 